Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor, filling in for your host, Michael the Pod Pina. I'm Rohan Nakhni, joined today by Sports Illustrated senior writer, New York Times bestselling author. Industry don't like him because he's thugging and he's dangerous. Please welcome to the show, mm-hmm. Chris Herring. Chris, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> what is wrong with you, man? I just <laughs> am going to keep throwing different young boy lyrics you at you. You really until, are. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, you're going to force okay. me to... Can I... I used, so the I went to a lot of Suns games this postseason, and they used to play Gangsta by Young Boy and then What Happened to Virgil by Lil Durk back-to-back. And those two songs are just forever stuck in my head like and i can't listen to them without listening to them back to back like if i don't if i don't listen to them in that order like there's something wrong in the universe there's something wrong in the universe that you keep hitting me with these lyrics to begin with uh, but it's it's good stuff i'm working my way through like i've used the off season to work my way through some of the future album that came out at this point a couple months mm. ago um I feel like there's new stuff, other new stuff. I haven't listened to the Drake album yet. I, oh yeah, people were roasting that. You get to the new Pusha T yet? Um, Drake album? I don't think I heard that. Drake that wasn't. Drake. I haven't even downloaded it in my phone. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I, I'm like pretty incapable. I'm like gotten so bad at listening to new music. I hear it at NBA arenas. That's like my, that's my way now. Like that's so. I'm just I'm lost until the season starts. Uh, well, Chris, we actually have a, a surprising amount to get to on the show today. We got some great emails. Uh, please keep the emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail.com. It's the off season. We need our listeners now more than ever. So once again, that's openfloormail at gmail.com. 
don't hesitate to send in an email. Um, like I said, a lot of things I want to get to on the show this week. We uh, mentioned the emails. We have some news. Something I want to talk about real quick, Chris. There's like, there's no great way to bring this up, but something we haven't talked about on this podcast, and I, I got to raise my hand and say I'm part of the problem here. I think it's something that the NBA media in general has not done a great job of discussing, and that's the situation, the ongoing situation with Miles Bridges, who uh, was charged with a felony this week uh, in a domestic assault, domestic violence related case uh, involving his partner, the mother of his children. Uh, again, these are just allegations. Uh, at the same time, I mean, she had an Instagram post in the wake of these allegations. Um, you know, I, I guess what I can say is I, I think it's it's safe to say he's been credibly accused of domestic violence. Um, and I think a lot of times what happens in these situations, Chris, is we start talking about how long should he be suspended? Should he get his next contract? And sometimes that's hard for me to reckon with, like, uh, just to kind of bring a little bit of my own personal, you know, ideology into it. Like, I think you would agree with me. Like, I don't want to live in a punitive society. I don't want to send another person to jail. I especially don't want to send another person of color to jail. And, you know, to me, when we start talking about should he get suspended 25 games or 50 games, we're, we're losing sight of, you know, what are we really doing for the victim? What are we really doing for this situation? Uh, and I, I just, I, I don't know what the answer is. And I'm, I'm speaking from a position of privilege as a, as a man. Like you and I don't kind of live with this fear walking around day to day, uh, this threat of violence that women do. Um, and I understand why some people might want to see him be suspended for a whole season or never play again, et cetera. But, uh, it's something I hope to educate myself on, something I hope to write about soon. But I, I just hope that whatever kind of quote unquote solution we come up with this, it's got to be it's got to be victim focused. It's got to be how do we get the person who was abused in the situation, the resources they need? Um, what can we do to make sure this doesn't happen again? What can we do to rehabilitate? Um I just hope we start kind of looking for those kinds of answers. It's not to say that, you know, we we want whoever perpetrated these acts to kind of escape accountability, but I'm just hoping we can find a, a better version of that accountability than just talking about, you know, number of games suspended. You know, the NBA, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure the NBPA at least came out with a statement, right, in the wake of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade, uh, you know, about how they support men. Well, if you re if you really support women, you know, this is an opportunity for you to put your vast resources to use, figure out a way to kind of attack the societal problem, whether it's counseling, whether, you know, how are you getting those resources towards victims, et cetera. Um, th there's got to be something the league can do there and, and they can afford the experts who can figure it out, who know the best path forward, uh, et cetera. But I, I just wanted to address that because, I, I, you know, we see the news stories, but to be honest, I feel like at large, the NBA community, media at least, has just been kind of not sure what to say about all this. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's, I mean, it's a horrible story. And um, like you said, I feel like the the frame of reference that I think most fans were using to bring it up was just like, yo, this dude fumbled the bag, which mm -hmm. I understand the sentiment. I understand that was the context in which people were talking about him anyway before this. He also had a, you know, a, a was it an Instagram post or whatever it was several weeks before that in which people were saying like, yo, Miles Bridges, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, that just, you know, did not look the smartest to post. So 
people think that way independent i think of really horrendous stories like mm. this one and i think we can you know we can acknowledge that uh you're absolutely right though that i, I kind of feel like the the focus is lost when we're already jumping to like how long will he be suspended for i i don't think a team is going to want to touch him right now anyway mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and to be honest with you they shouldn't mm -hmm. um you know i i can't remember whose story i was reading but the punishment that he's going to get either from uh you know a, a guilty verdict uh you know even if it's dropped he can still i think get, get suspended mm -hmm. the only way in which he would escape any sort of punishment, I think, is if it went to trial and he was found not guilty. Mm -hmm. Which, okay, that's a lengthy process that you'd have to yeah. go through to get to a not guilty. I feel like it, it would probably be more likely that there would just be no charges. Filed or charges would be dropped if the woman decides she wants to take that route. Which, mm -hmm. by the way, she's already spoken up about this. So I, mm -hmm. I don't even know if that would happen. But either way, like that's not the most important thing here. No team should be focused on signing him anytime soon. You know, you talked about the rehabilitation stuff. However much counseling would yeah. be required to to just kind of put some of these pieces back together again to get her the help she needs, to get him the help he needs, the child the help, mm -hmm. you know, that the child needs. It's horrible. Um, but I, you know, like I, I'm with you in terms of like the punitive stuff. I'm not someone that just loves throwing the book at people. Mm -hmm. um, not that it's my call, but like I think about Michael Vick all the time. I absolutely love dogs. Um, I've got, um, you know, basically like a, a mural, like a picture of my dog on my mm -hmm. big executive desk here. Um, I, to some extent, like broke up with my significant other of four or five years in part over the way I felt like she felt about my dog, treated my dog. So I am very much a dog person. Um, and even when everything happened with Michael Vick, I was not, the guy went to prison over that. Mm -hmm. So like I was not lobbying for him to have extra, extra punishment after mm -hmm. that. Like yeah. he's already served time in prison. Mm -hmm. That's more significant than a suspension from a league. Yeah. Um, I feel like the punishment is that teams are going to think 85 times before they sign this person. Yeah. That is punishment. So I, I can't think that far ahead of like what sort of suspension does he deserve? Mm -hmm. The guy might go away. And if he does, then, you know, then I feel like you would hope that he comes back a better, more complete mm -hmm. filled out person at that point. But it's, it's way too early to even speculate like what that punishment looks like. Let's figure out what happens with this case first. Let's figure out, those details first but it's uh i i don't i haven't thought about him from a basketball standpoint since this happened it's just a right. brutal brutal story that the details of it as they came out were just getting uglier and uglier and it's just really sad absolutely um so i mean that's it we'll, we'll have to wait and see and, and again I'm, I'm hoping to write about this soon there, there's more to be said and you know hopefully present some ideas about what it can look like for a sports league to deal with this i mean at the end of the day it's a societal problem it's on meant to stop thinking it's okay. Um, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can get um, something resembling some kind of resolution from the situation. But, uh, you know, obviously our, 
our thoughts with the victims of this case and, and just how harrowing it is. Like you said, the details are pretty rough. Um, unfortunately, there's there's no really good way to transition um, into a basketball podcast from that. But, you know, we know it's offseason. We know you guys have sent in your emails. There are things we want to get to. So, Chris, let's get to the basketball portion of today's episode. Um, I want to start with a little bit of news that we got this week. James Harden has finally signed his new contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. Two years, he's taking a pay cut. I think he's coming in under $40 million a year, under $35 million a year. Um, I believe the final total was a little under $70 million. Uh, you know, Harden traded to the Sixers. They looked great, and we all joked about it on this podcast. Let's wait and see what happens in the playoffs. Uh, lo and behold, I mean, he had that one great game in the second round, but it was a strange playoffs for the Sixers because, you know, they had this Embiid hard and pick and roll for some reason. They just didn't run it enough. <laughs> Embiid gets hurt. Uh, Harden can't really pick up the slack. Um, let me start here first, just before we get into the kind of the full Harden experience and our thoughts on Harden and the Sixers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you kind of make of him taking the pay cut? Cause to be honest, I do respect him. Uh, deciding to take that move, you know, allowed him to bring in guys like PJ Tucker, Daniel House, etc. Uh, what'd you make of him taking the pay cut? Can Can we be real about this? Like, I know <laughs> when, when the when the signing the the potential signing was discussed, you know, because it was funny. Like, our editor Matt hit me yesterday. Like, hey, he knew I was gonna try to write something today. We, I wasn't sure what I wanted to write, mm-hmm. and he was like, hey, like. He floated the Harden thing, and I looked <laughs> at it thinking like Harden backed out or something, and it was like, oh no no, Harden's just like signing the deal, and there's like a definitive number on how much it's for now. I was like, we've kind of known this was going to happen for several mm. weeks now. Like it's been reported since right, before right. free agency started, um, and yeah, it's been floated that like he was going to take a pay cut, but since before the season ended, the the NBA season, not the Sixer season. We've been saying for a while that this was likely that he was going to opt out of his deal and probably take less money this year for the hope of making more money in the future. Mm. I don't see this like granted it's a technically it's a pay cut. You can frame it that way. (laughs) I, I remember covering Phil Jackson when he was floating to Carmelo Anthony that he could take less than the max and that it could make Carmelo look like a less selfish player by doing that. It's window dressing. Uh, and and mm-hmm. I'm not say I'm not using that to say Carmelo is a selfish player. I'm using it to say like it's it's the way you're phrasing it. So mm-hmm. yes, it's technically a pay cut, but it's also like he didn't play very well last yeah. year by his standards. He wasn't he looking like play. a max player. <laughs> no, and he wants to yeah. be one and he, you know, if he was hurt, this is like a good make this is a make good year for him is his hope. I imagine if he plays really, really well this year, he's not going to opt in next year. He's right. going to opt out and get one last max before he closes shop. Like that would be my perception mm-hmm. of it. And I wish that we could kind of be real about that. Like, I don't think it's, it sounds really good and there are incentives and motivations to make it sound like a pay cut from his end, from the people that his agents and his agency is sharing that information with. <laughs> of course you're going to frame it that way, but it's, I don't think that's realistic. And, uh, you know, I like, let's be real. He, he didn't play like someone worth 45, 46, 47 million this past season. Um, 
he might be able to get back to that. And if he does, then he would mm -hmm. be able to break the bank next year. So I, I think that's probably what this is. So I haven't, you know, I haven't really made much of the pay cut because yeah. I don't really see that as being what it is. That's fair. And, I, and I'll give you that. I definitely think he's, he's left himself the option, certainly. I mean, the literal option to go make up that money after one year. I give him credit to this regard in that whether it's a pay cut or not, the salary he chose did allow them because of cap machinations to go out and get a PJ Tucker, uh, to make certain signings that otherwise the tax apron, this line, that line, et cetera, would have made it difficult for them to do. So I give him credit in that regard, but I agree. I mean, he had to recognize he was, he did not have max value on the open market. Um, he was not a max value player last year, which kind of brings me to my question. I mean, this was a guy who legitimately was kind of forcing us to reconsider who the best scorer in the NBA was and who the, like, sure. you know, his isolation scoring, et cetera. His last two seasons, uh, you know, he forces his way out of Houston, never really appears to be quite in shape with the Nets, hurts the hamstring, uh, unable to finish. Uh, the playoffs healthy last year, you know, doesn't want to deal with the nets. Don't blame him. That team looked miserable, gets his way to Philly. Uh, he has moments in the regular season, but in the playoffs, I mean, completely outclassed by Jimmy Butler. Um, I ironic just because Embiid said, I think Harden's probably the most talented player I've ever played with. He can't really do anything for the team when Embiid is hurt. I'm just going to go for this question, Chris. I'm just going to – it's the offseason, you know. Do you think his career has been a disappointment? Uh, so I'm going to say no just because I feel like on the most base level – I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he came in the league. People thought he could be really, really great. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw some of the – I mean, obviously Houston gave him the deal that they did off what they saw in Oklahoma City – isn't and it I always funny? Forget. Isn't it funny what like a max used to be? By the way, it was like five years, eighty million dollars. <laughs> yeah. A little different, a little yeah. you know. And it's like that's from when James Harden's yeah. career started. Yeah. Let alone looking back at the you know the days where Magic Johnson was getting a twenty-five million dollar offer for twenty-five yeah. years. You know, it's like times have changed just yeah. a tad. But uh, no, I mean, if if I'll put it this way, if Oklahoma City had known that he developed into what he developed into and had that potential to be that sort of scorer and an MVP, they wouldn't have, they would have just paid him. Or they would have mm -hmm. paid him before they paid Serge Ibaka, which was right. maybe the mistake and all that. Um it's it's never it's never a disappointing career when you win an MVP. Mm -hmm. Not to mention that like he's not the most athletic guy. Yeah. Um so when you look at like his build, like the fact that sometimes he comes in the you know like he really Luca really is him. As far as, uh, you know, <laughs> people use the him phrasing as like, oh, he's the man. No, Luca really is hardened in a lot of ways. Like, they're not overwhelmingly athletic. They're pretty big for their position, but I think they're bigger just stature-wise as mm -hmm. far as sometimes they carry a little bit of extra weight, but they decelerate so impressively. They mm -hmm. have step backs. They can get wherever they want on the court. They're mm -hmm. the best scorer on the court no matter who they're playing against. Like, it's really difficult to stop them, and they're also like A1 passers. Um, so given the way that Harden looks, the way he plays, like the fact that he absolutely could have won a title in maybe two. And I, you know, someone might say like, when would he have had a chance of winning two? He almost, he could have, they were favored to win the title 
the when he was with Oklahoma City. They yeah. were favored over Miami that year. I mean, that um, Rockets series was exactly yeah. what was that 2018 where they're yeah, up three two against the, yep. they. I mean, they were really the only team that had a, a really really good opportunity to knock Correct. out yes. a full strength KD Warriors team. They should have mm-hmm. done it. Uh, yeah. Maybe they do it if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt. So yeah. I'm like, you know, yes, he he should have a title by now just based on like if you were to, you know, the those 10,000 simulations that you run, like how many times yeah. would he have won a title? He probably would have won at least one, I would say at least 35 or 40% of the time, maybe higher than that. Um, so I, I'm not going to call him a disappointment. Like I, you absolutely would say, man, like where is the playoff? performance that you'd like to see out of him more consistently man he really falls off in moments where you'd expect a superstar to step up man he really you know should be in better shape most times yeah you would say all that um but i'm not gonna call him a a disappointment because he could have won multiple mvps he could have won multiple titles you know he is someone that has gone from i think leading the league in scoring to then leading the league in assists like it's really hard to do that He's really multi-talented. He's not a great defender, but he's not nearly as bad as he's been made out to be. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, I mean, you have and, and frankly, for anyone that's been in the, and it was silly, but like anyone that's been in the best scorer of all time conversation or like, you know, is this guy a better scorer than Kobe, than Michael? The fact that we had to ask the question, you can't call that same yeah. person a disappointment when you're acknowledging that they lack the sort of athleticism that those people do. The Shaqs, yeah. the Michaels, the Kobe's. He, he's every bit as good as he's been talked mm-hmm. about. He's been disappointing at the same time. So it's disappointing, but he's not a disappointment. Agreed. I think I would agree. It's He's not been a disappointment, especially you started coming off the bench. He turned into an MVP. Um, incredible career. Mm-hmm. What he is, and there are players who've been like this at different points of their own career, it's disappointing. He's a victim of his own success. Is yes. what he is because the expectations are high based not on hype or whatever, but what he's done on the floor. But based on the numbers he was able to put up, the way he was able to control games. I mean, there were times where, I mean, he's isoing, and you're like, who in the world wants to be on the island with this guy right now? Like, this is terrifying. It's the most terrifying place in the NBA to, to be is Harden's got that low crossover dribble working and he's sizing you up. And, yeah, I think we just want more from him, not because we're, you know, ring culture and all those things. It's because he's that good. He's that type of player. Um, these types of players usually win uh, the NBA Finals, usually have legendary playoff performances. And it's been, you know, it's just been a bummer to see him not have that. And, you know, there are times when it's out of his control, like when Chris Paul gets hurt or when, you know, he hurts his hamstring. But there are other times when you wonder, why didn't you maybe come into the season in a little bit better shape? You know, do you kind of have another aspect of your game or something else you can go to when teams mm-hmm. have maybe seemingly figured you out? It's what all great players have had to do. Um, I mean, you saw Steph this year, like that game four in Boston was one of those like whatever it takes performances. That's what I love about yep. the playoffs. Um, sometimes you just have one of those games with the superstars, like whatever it takes. Um, and Harden hasn't had enough of those. So I, I'm with you. It, it's been disappointing at times, but overall career has not been a disappointment. 
I do want to talk about the Sixers for a second, though, because I think they've had a sneaky, brilliant offseason. I love them bringing in DeAnthony Melton, who they just kind of got for free, basically. I mean, they give up a first-round pick, Man, whatever. I know. Like, he's such a good player. I don't understand why the Grizzlies did that. Then they get P.J. Tucker, which is a double whammy move. You take him away from the Heat, who just straight up don't have a power forward anymore. I don't know who's starting at the four for them. If it's Caleb Martin, they're done. Um you take him away from the Heat. He's a perfect fit next to not only Harden but Embiid. Uh, the exact kind of guy they needed in a playoff series last year. Um, I think they've had a fantastic offseason. What do you think of what they've done this summer, and where do you maybe have them as things stand right now in relation to Milwaukee and Boston? Man, it's really hard to not like what they've mm-hmm. done. I mean, I, I I took a look and I thought I had it pulled up here. Let me try to pull it up again now. Just their depth chart is just kind of scary looking. Um, yeah. If we're keeping it a buck, man, like, uh, it's a really really deep team. Just making a couple of pertinent tweaks. Uh, so I I mean honestly I they're definitely not any worse than they were last year as far as mm-hmm. you know they're. I think they're a top four team for sure. I'd kind of be surprised if they're not in the top three, which Mm -hmm. for what we're looking at, we're looking at a a Boston team that got better and is still pretty young outside of Al Horford. We're looking at, um, we're looking at a Milwaukee team that if they put their foot to the pedal and they're healthy, Giannis is healthy. They should be right there in that conversation. And, you know, I'm curious to see where Miami ends up. Like, Miami could always be injured. Their guys kind of tend to be. Um, But you also know that they'll be in that conversation as far as no matter where they're seated, they would have a chance to knock somebody out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I see them finding their way somewhere in that mix. I'd be a little bit surprised if they finished any lower than third if Embiid is healthy. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. we watched (laughs) – we basically watched a season where Embiid was really motivated after – feeling like he probably deserved to be more firmly in the MVP conversation Hmm. the year before. And then, you know, dude was like, all right, I'm just playing. I don't care. You know, I'm going to play this whole season. I'm going to make noise in this conversation. He did it, you know, and, and, and still wasn't enough, which I know he felt shafted from that standpoint, but the rest of the roster around him is really, really nice. Uh, I mean, you have a year of like having Paul Reed as your backup center now, not having to do the whole DeAndre Jordan dance. Now that's Denver's problem. Um, PJ Tucker should be a great fit for them. You know, I don't know if maybe the whole contract is something that I would have signed off on for that much money, but, you know, I would expect him to be a, a big difference maker for them this year. And like we were saying before, Melton is like a pseudo second, third string yeah. guard for them. Which is like wow! It's uh, yeah, he's behind Maxi and Hart. I mean, yeah, it's it's a little crazy to think about. Like this is a really deep team, man, and uh, it's hard. Like I said, it's really hard not to like them. It all kind of unravels a little bit if you lose uh, Embiid for considerable time. So I mean, I think like always, that's the the question. But just on the surface, if they're able to stay healthy, this is a really good, scary team that. I do think if Harden does revert back to where he had been before, if he was unhealthy at the end of last season and now he's healthy again or effort or fit mm-hmm. or gel, you know, just gelling better, having more time with the team, 
it's it's a team that could win a title. I just kind of because of Harden and because of everything we just talked about, I'm absolutely going to take a wait and see approach with it. But I, yes. I mean, it ha- it's a team that absolutely has potential. I'm with you. Finals potential. I'm with you on paper. I think you could really argue they're top two in the East. I haven't loved Milwaukee's off season. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I, I like no, the they haven't done much for them, but yeah, they haven't done much. I wish they'd gotten at least one more wing. Um, it's going to come down to Harden, as you mentioned. I mean, if, if he looks like even how he looked his first stint in Brooklyn before he got hurt in the playoffs, he was playing fantastic. The assists were way up. Uh, he was playing really, really good basketball. Remember, there was that brief conversation: can someone win MVP if they were traded midseason and blah, blah, blah. He was playing really, really well. If he can be even that guy, I mean, I think they're really scary. I mean, and that version of Harden plus last year's version of Embiid are as in, as good as any duo in the NBA. Yeah. But again, that depends a lot on Harden. You know, through the media, he's been saying the right things about coming back in shape and working on his body. And, you know, we've seen guys do it. We've seen Chris Paul do it. Um, people who are able to extend their careers, extend their primes by taking care of their body. If he's able to do that, they might be onto something. So a lot hinges on him. But yeah, I, I, I'm really, really expecting them to be in the conference finals this year. It's to me, it would be, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but Embiid's got to play in at least one conference finals, man. Come on. <laughs> he's got to make it at some point if he manages to stay healthy. So I think this this is going to be their year for at least that. Wow. So who do you think that are what what do you do you think that Boston will make it back? I guess I'm wondering like who you think they're going to supplant Miami? Unfortunately, I do think Boston is going to make it back, not to discuss that team <laughs> while we don't have to. <laughs> um, uh, you sound like a friend but, of mine that uh that, yeah. that will and and thinking that Boston <laughs> will do great things. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do think it's I like him. I'm liking Boston and Philly as things stand right now. Okay. Obviously, we still have these these Mitchell and uh KD trades potentially hanging up above us, but that's who I'm liking so far. What about you? Is that crazy? I mean, I don't want to make you make a pick if you don't have to, but that's where I'm at. I look, I don't I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've rock really hard with what really heavy with what Milwaukee did this offseason mm-hmm. either uh they basically have stood pat um but they also were you know a game away from beating Boston mm-hmm. without the second best player on their team the, this well let me not say it. the second best score on their team mm-hmm. uh they were asking Drew Holiday to take between 20 and 25 oh shots oh my god yeah which i mean i i've never seen so many 18 points on 22 shots stat lines. Drew, Drew Holiday's in, in making making seven to nine shots. It doesn't matter how many he takes. That he was takes, basically <laughs> what was happening. Yeah. It was it was rough. Like Drew Holiday, I've said yeah. for years on multiple podcasts, I've written it. Drew Holiday will always be one of my favorite players to watch. I, I love was not watching enjoying him watching him. And I yeah. was not enjoying watching him play in that series, like offensively. Like I understood yes. that it was very much like it was you. He did. Remember, he did what uh, he had to do, but yeah. Like, did, did you ever you ever watch the Cosby Show? Like, uh, yeah. Sandra Sandra auditioned to be Claire Huxtable, <laughs> and it's just it would have been really weird watching that show with Sandra as Cosby's wife 
as opposed to his daughter. Like, it's just certain people are not meant for certain roles. And uh, I was not enjoying Drew Holiday be a second scorer in a series against Boston's defense. Let me just put it that I way with no Chris Middleton. You went all the way back to the Cosby show for that kind of. Um, just for our younger viewers, that's like Glenn Powell auditioning to be uh, Rooster in Top Gun Maverick. But instead, he had to play Hangman. You only um, given me one week, Ron. I've not watched the movie yet, so I still don't know what you're talking about with, with Top Gun or Top Gun Maverick. But thank you. No, that's a great way to put it. Um, Drew's a Sandra, not a Claire. Um, and they were asking her to be Claire in the in the playoffs, and it didn't quite work. So, yeah, I guess we kind of derailed ourselves a little bit there. But anyway, neither of us are thrilled with what the Bucks have done, but agree that Middleton coming back should make a huge difference for them. What a bummer that injury was. But yeah, I'm, I like the I like the Sixers, and I think Embiid and Harden both being in shape is I think going to go a long way for them. Um, it will if that's the case for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. You ready to dive into an email or two? Yeah, let's do it. All right, this one comes from Elliot. Shout out to Elliot, who says, Hi, Open Floor Globe crew. I hope Michael is getting some good reading time in. When my son came a few years ago, I had lots of time and binge rewatched the 10-hour Annie Pride and Prejudice series. I didn't realize they made a series about that, too. He said, Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael, Rohan, and Chris for all your book recommendations. Rohan, if you like that Manson book, uh, you must check out Dark Alliance, The CIA, The Contras, and The Crack Cocaine Explosion by journalist Gary Oof. Webb. You know I love books about moving weight, Chris. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Push it to you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> For my NBA question, 
What deals have you been most surprised by in the past season or two with teams proving especially prescient and the move forcing you to reassess player value and fit? For me, it was the Grizzlies unloading Jonas Valanciunas. He seemed great there and often the only reliable end-of-game scorer outside of Jaw, but obviously many other guys are ready to step up, and in terms, Steven Adams has fit well. Uh, you could also go the other direction, moves that you thought seemed smart that were duds for non-injury reasons. Interested to hear your thoughts. Thanks for all the entertaining pods. Elliot, thank you so much for the email. Uh, Chris, I'll lob it up to you first. Do you have a move that's happened in the last few years that maybe you were especially wrong about that now is your opportunity to admit that it didn't go the way you thought it would, either positively or negatively? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I've got I've got ones on either <laughs> side. I, I, I had ones prepared on either side. So the one, I'll give you both. The one that I'm still kind of like, wow, that happened was, uh, I mean, you know, not to recency bias, but Andrew Wiggins just swung in NBA Finals. Mm, yeah. He was just an yeah. all-star. Um, I thought the trade made sense just because it was very clear that um, – D'Angelo Russell was not going to be the answer there. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you even really needed him next to Steph once Steph was back healthy was, you know, fair to wonder that. So Wiggins mm-hmm. at least filled more of a need for them, could kind of take on more of the Harrison Barnes role, um, but with maybe more individual ability and talent. Um, so that, and, and not just him, but also like anybody that watched Jordan Poole as a rookie is probably still kind of wondering how he mm-hmm. developed into what he is now. Granted, he was not great through the finals and great through the you know even the conference finals but uh i did not see him becoming what he is who he is at this point so those two things like i just didn't see them happening or the way they did or resulting in a championship necessarily um on the flip side the thing that i thought would happen that i was very very wrong about we're still seeing the the undoing of that now i you know i thought that uh utah had a very cute concept by going out to go get rudy gay and Mm. eric pascal to yeah. go run small ball five for Utah. Obviously, that did not work out. You know, every Utah fan under the sun was saying midseason, this is not working. This is not working. This is not going to work. And I was like, just give it time. Give it time. And uh, obviously, it did not work out. Um, you know, it was that probably in hindsight was trying to, instead of like caulking or like, you know, uh, drywalling a wall that, for instance, my bedroom has a massive crack in it i live in a high rise and uh there's a massive crack that they're like oh that happens when you live in the upper parts of a building and it sways a little bit you're gonna get cracks it would be like putting a piece of tape over the crack <laughs> and, and expecting it not to grow um or trying to fix it and you have to get it drywalled again it just doesn't work that way you know so um i thought that would work you know they were the number one team the year before they got out to a really nice start this season um and yeah, it clearly, clearly, clearly did not work. I think Rudy Gay had like a 22 point game his first game in with the Jazz or something like that off the bench. And mm-hmm. it was all downhill from there. It did not work. And now we're watching the Jazz unload piece by piece, seemingly. So, although they are getting a lot of draft picks back for it. So, who knows? Maybe it will circle back around and be a good thing for the Jazz. Who knows? So I had one, and you can probably read my trade grades about this, where I just expressed like utter confusion. Why would you be doing this? And it's a recent one. But the Mavs trading for Spencer Dinwiddie, I was like, oh, this mm. team is taking a step back this season. They're not trying to win. They're going to retool in the summer. They wanted to get rid of Chris Stapps' contract. I was like, they're taking back on Bertans. 
And at the time, remember, Dinwiddie was not having a good season in Washington. Sounded like the chemistry was messed up, not shooting the ball well at all. Like he was a, not shooting it that well from three. And I was like, this is not going to work. Like you need shooters around Luka. Um, I'd rather roll the dice on Chris Stapps getting healthy and them reaching their full potential. I remember before the season, Mike telling me what how good of a pick and roll duo they were, et cetera. Lo and behold, the team kind of takes off. <laughs> they play incredibly well defensively after that trade. Dinwiddie's like all of a sudden hitting game winning threes. Didn't he hit like two in a row? He like had back to back? Two or three in the same week. Yeah. yeah. I, I wrote a story about him that week. Yeah. So I remember one and against I was Brooklyn like, and one against somebody else. And I was like, this was the guy you were supposed to leave open. And then, you know, he ends up being a very key part of their playoff run. Um, you know, Luca's out for the first few games of that Jazz series. Dinwiddie's important there. Um, they end up making it to the conference finals after that trade. Bertans even got burned in the playoffs, which was shocking to me. He was getting burned in that Sun series. Uh, he had some moments against them, so that was one that I was like, I, "This seems like a, this team's trying to take a step back this season." And I could not have been more wrong, both about the fit and the direction the Mavs were trying to head in. So, I mean, shout out to them because that ended up being a really smart trade, and they're going to need Dinwiddie now with Brunson gone. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of think about that a lot i just kind of feel like they're not the same player certainly but they're, they're not but absolutely that responsibility is going to fall to him but it's interesting because i don't i mean like there's no question dinwiddie is not generally as consistent as mm-hmm. brunson is they both have flaws you know i think um dinwiddie's a taller player brunson's like more solid than he is physically mm-hmm. and and just as far as like game to game performance uh and quite frankly, like if if Dinwiddie on any level looks like the player that Washington had for that stretch of the season, because remember, Washington had just gotten him. And mm-hmm. I mean, like that's the sort of if you <laughs> put it this way, your boy went to uh, your boy went to I've been on a little bit of an edible kick lately. OK, OK. Um, I went to the dispensary. I, it's like the second time I've ever gone. I'm not like a regular uh Cannabis buyer, however you want to put it. Um, got my edible, opened that boy up, and I was like, wait a minute. I bought 10 edibles. There's only nine in here. Like, immediately I'm mad because I'm like, this is defective. Yeah, you got short change. Yeah. That's how that's how Dinwiddie looked with, with Washington. Like, my boy was looking defective. <laughs> he looked which like is, a nine-pack of Like of a nine-pack where you were supposed to have 10. <laughs> nine-pack uh, of 10 edibles. He was yeah. rough. I mean, I will say, like, he he expressed some real frustration. Uh, I don't know if he quite brought mental health into it, but he was just kind of like, when you're not wanted and you kind of feel like they're just making right. up stuff about you as far as, you know, not being a good teammate. He's like, I haven't said anything, done anything to anyone. I'm just trying to play. And, you know, he's has injuries and stuff like that, too. So it's not it would be understandable if you need a little bit more time. He did not look right for mm-hmm. a while. Now, obviously, Washington is a wholly different situation than Dallas. But all I'm saying is that I've, I've seen he's looked inconsistent enough at times to raise the question, I think, fairly of which version of him will we get uh, when when he is back with Dallas. Like he was really, really hot. For parts of the season, he had a really mm-hmm. nice stretch at times during the playoffs. He's not much of a defender, yeah. Despite and he was inconsistent mm-hmm. than Brunson, mm-hmm. and he's just so I do worry a little bit just because I kind of feel like that's the problem, particularly against the Warriors that Dallas had to begin with. Is just like this is a group that is so hit or miss 
where they will hit 15 threes yeah. and a half, and then the next half they'll hit two. Yeah. And 17 threes in a game sounds good, but it's like the composition of it matters on right. some level, particularly when Luke is creating everything for you. Like you have to have Dinwiddie giving you something if, if Luke is playing on the ball that much. So we will see. Uh, it. It'll be interesting to see how he comes back this season. Maybe he he benefits. Maybe Hardaway being back mm. really benefits them too. I thought that was a really big piece they were missing last year. Well, the, and maybe the Mavs are calling that their <laughs> their big offseason addition. Uh, it'll be interesting. It, it, it definitely Wood, worked. Yeah, true. Christian Wood. It'll be very interesting. It certainly worked for them last year. I but he was in a much smaller role, so it's going to be a lot of interest, a lot more interesting to see what happens without Brunson. Yeah. Um, I agree. We're going to have to do a whole podcast um, on edibles at some point. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That, Between that, that Cosby show, feed. I promise you I'm not on one now. I'm bringing up the Cosby yeah, show. I'm bringing yeah. up edible packs and yeah. everything else. What am yeah. I doing? Anyway, go ahead. I also thought, I also thought the Heat were going to win the 2014 title because they signed Greg Oden. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, let's get to an email from Thaddeus, a longtime uh, open floor listener and email emailer thaddeus thank you you're in the hall of fame you're probably more important to the show than i am if i'm being completely honest uh so thank you thaddeus for all your emails he goes what's up open floor mitchell to new i don't this is maybe how he talks i don't know i'm assuming his tone (laughs) mitchell to new york donovan mitchell to new york seems like a foregone conclusion at this point and honestly it's one of those where the superstar wants the big market and it makes sense for both sides the knicks can give a great package of picks and a young player or two for utah rebuild Regardless of what you think about Mitchell as a guy to lead the Knicks to wins and playoff success, he's a borderline top 25 player entering his prime years, uh, and in a 30-team league, you don't balk at those guys if you don't have one. But now I have to ask, where would you put the Knicks? Let's say they send out Randall and Quickly with whatever picks. Is the remaining roster a top four East team? Would you even favor them to be out of the play-in? Um, I've seen reaction kind of all over the board on where the Knicks would be with Mitchell. I think if they kept Barrett, I actually really like Brunson, Barrett, and Mitchell. I think Mitchell has gotten a little bit underrated is not the right word, but I think people are maybe there's been, I'm trying to correct the overcorrection that I think is happening. Um, so yeah, what do you think about Mitchell and the Knicks? Let's say in this scenario they, they have Barrett and Brunson on the team as well. So I I would have this question regardless of whether they get Mitchell, which it, it's not enough to decide not to do the trade. But mm-hmm. I really want them, if they're going to trade for Mitchell, to, get, to keep Quentin Grimes. Mm. Um, because I kind of feel like we, the rumors that you hear coming up, that Utah really wants him. He he was dominant. Yeah. As much as you can be dominant within Summer League um, as a sophomore player. I mean, he was really, really good at Summer League. He is it sort of, like he reminds me of kind of like a Landry Shamit sort of player mm. where he he would fit most teams. He can knock down three. Like, he probably fits most teams better than Shamit does. He's bigger than Landry yeah, Shamit. I like Grimes. I like he's a great second like, half he, this season. He's gonna be a good defender in this league. He's a good three point shooter. He hustles um even like i think he's an energy player he's you know you don't need him probably you're not expecting him to go out and get you 25 so like he can do his job night to night and i kind of feel like when you're 
moving in pieces and moving out pieces, he's the sort of guy that should fit with a, a, a really good go-to score or two really well. And a guy that will probably benefit even more than your average guy if you have to throw more attention at someone like Mitchell or Brunson uh, to just have out there on the wing or in the corner. So I would like it a lot more if they don't have to move him, uh, even if it's quickly that they have to move. Some fans may not love that, but you're going to have a lot of ball handling on this roster. Let's not forget about someone like Barrett, who you're still trying to develop. You want him to have the ball a decent amount, but how much is he going to have it if you've got um, Brunson and Mitchell handling it? So yeah, uh, Grimes, for that reason, I think is really nice to have because you're, you're going to need guys that don't really need the ball. Um, quickly would need it. You know, even if it's off the bench, he would need the ball. Um, how are they as a team? Like, I still, I think it's a little bit optimistic, a little overly optimistic, maybe, to think that Randall would be one of the guys sent back. I don't know yeah. that Utah will want him. Uh, they'd have if to they find they a do, third team. They'd have to find do, a third team. I mean, if you do, if you do a trade straight up with Utah, and they take him. If they want Grimes, let it happen. Like, fine. Uh, <laughs> Because at that point, you're answering a lot of questions. Like I just kind of feel like Mitchell, I'd have to look at his numbers. I feel like he's like an okay, sometimes slightly below average three-point shooter for what he is and what he's perceived as. And because of that, between him and the idea like Michael's written about the fact that Brunson's not a great pull-up three-point shooter. He's not asked to do it much because he's playing alongside Luka, who's setting him up. At a certain point, you kind of look up Barrett and all the other guys. Like, none of them are really known as three-point shooters. Grimes is. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a sudden, you've got a lot of ball handling. Three guys that can handle the ball for you. But none of them are really big, big three-point threats. Mitchell, maybe through volume, but he's not like a he's not a really, really efficient shooter from out there. So, mm-hmm. um, if you can get rid of Randall, who clogs stuff up for you because he's also really not a good three-point shooter... Absolutely, you do it and you ask questions later. Uh, you're already going to be giving up a lot of picks anyway. If you can get rid of Randall and kind of dump some of that salary there, because he's not like a guy that's got a year left on his deal. He's got a couple of years left on a deal that's paying him, I think, more than 100 mil. So uh, that question is huge. Like, what do you think of them? If he's not there, you're totally remaking this roster aside from just bringing in yes. Mitchell. Um, you would have more than half your starting lineup is new at that point, probably. Yeah. Uh, I would love it if they can do that. If they yeah. can't, um, I, it's a little early to know. Like, I'd like to see what's going to happen with Fournier. Mm-hmm. Um, can you go and get a defender to bring in for him, like a wing defender? But I, you know, I, I tend to think that they'll make the playoffs as like a back end team, maybe a play in with Mitchell. Uh, but if they can move Randall, depending on what they replace him with, what else they're doing, who else they're getting from Utah, or who else they're sending out. Um, I like their prospects a little bit more. Uh, I just kind of feel like it's a little bit clogged if you've got Randall and Mitchell and Brunson and Barrett. You basically have, at best, like two 35% three-point shooters in there and then some worse than that. And I'm not, you know, and and Randall is considerably worse than that. So I'm not really loving that if that's what it is. Uh, But but it's not, I mean, it's it's also a young enough team to where you can kind of fix stuff on the fly. Yeah. And go. You've got a lot of young guys that could step up. Um, so I see them as like maybe a forty-ish, between okay. forty and forty-five, if they can unload Randall and get Mitchell at the same time. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if they move Randall, that gives everyone a lot more space. Uh, it, 
you can't have four guys who really, really, really need the ball in their hands with Barrett, Mitchell, Brunson, and Randall. But if they're able to move Randall, and you have three guys who I think it's fair to say are not in their primes yet between Brunson, Barrett, and Mitchell. Yeah. I like that team, and I, I'm i willing to say that they're a six seed. I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to get yeah. them the six out of the plane in the playoffs. Um, so I'm, I'm into the idea. I do think the Knicks should do the trade. Uh, people are like, oh, it's the Knicks nick- nicking or whatever. I mean, we just saw Rudy Gobert got moved for how many draft picks he got moved. Yeah. Uh, what's Donovan Mitchell? He's not even 25 yet, I don't think. Um, no, at some point, though, we're going to have to start asking the question of, like, how many picks is too many? Like, it's for getting some out of guys, hand. It's getting like, out of hand. Like, five and six picks for these guys that are, you know, like, we'll do not our NBA Anthony rank Davis. later this offseason. Yeah, yeah. But, like, we're talking about guys that are probably not higher than 20th on our list. Yeah, uh, or in that range, slightly lower than that range, and it's like, what are we, what are we talking about? Yeah, I don't know how we quite got here. Yeah. You know, I think I mean Zach Lowe the did Timberwolves just on. did not help anyone. <laughs> did, no, did no, they did not. Because I'm I'm still I'm not even blown away by the picks. Although I am, I'm blown away by the picks and like three of their top seven rotation guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and I think Zach Lowe wrote his column a week or so ago about the Drew Holiday trade and how that kind of started precipitated yeah. some of this with the idea of just kind of going all in. But um, I mean, it makes sense if you're the Bucks and title. you have Giannis. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. The Knicks, you know, like the Timberwolves, I can kind of understand the Knicks. It's a little early for that. But then again, they can do that and still have some of their own picks. So, I mean, that's the other thing that when we talk about law Knicks, we're normally talk about them trading every pick they have for the next 38 years. Yeah, they've got you know, more picks yeah, than they, and they, you know, they stacked they normally up. Yeah. Have. They've got, you know, they're one of the most loaded teams in the league as far as how many picks they have. So I, it's, I'm just a little bit like, I, I hear most people saying, just do whatever it takes from a pick standpoint. Um, and I guess within the stratosphere of what teams are doing now, that sounds okay, but it's just, I'm still trying to, it's, maybe I'm just still getting used to five. No, no, six I'm with you. Deal. I'm with you. It's gotten ridiculous. They're like you said in a better position because they have three firsts that aren't they aren't their own that aren't their own that they can trade. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in, and we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with five good things a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. 
There's plenty to celebrate in March and craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free i want to get to one last question today it's a mm-hmm. fun one this one comes from don knapp shout out to don who sent us a bunch of questions that we'll probably get to over the summer don the principal of Pikes Peak School of Expeditionary Expeditionary Learning? Why am I not able to say this word? Expeditionary <laughs> Learning in Falcon, Colorado? I don't know what Expeditionary Learning is, but that sounds really cool. Um, <laughs> shout out to Don. Um, I would love to go on an expedition one day, uh, especially in a city called Falcon. That's sick. Um, anyway, Don goes... I've never been to Florida, the great state of Florida, the gunshot state. What a bummer. Uh, Which means I've never been to Orlando. I mean, come on, man. You got to go to Disney World. Why isn't Orlando the city more of a draw for NBA players? Hmm. I get that the front office might have its issues, but I never hear about how great Orlando's weather is or location is. Whereas I hear a ton about Milwaukee and Minnesota and how the weather keeps free agents away. Is it just the front office? I doubt it's because Shaq made sure to get away. Chris, mm. would you ever live in Orlando? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm long-winded, but let me just keep it short there. Uh, I actually think you said the person's name is Don. Mm-hmm. I like the question. I kind of feel like you're more likely to have this question if you've never been there. Um, mm. Because, yes, I think Orlando, like, on the on surface, the surface it's, sounds intriguing. Yeah, on the surface, it's. I mean, not even on the surface. I think it's right there, neck and neck with New York every year for the most visited city. You know, the the mm-hmm. biggest tourist city. Um, it is. You know, the weather's good. Obviously, year round. No um, state income tax. Yeah, the difference though is that there's not much there outside of mm-hmm. Disney World, and I'm not. Mm-hmm. I say that with no disrespect to people that are from there, that live there, that mm-hmm. love it there. I've been there plenty. I've spent some time there before. Uh, but th- that's the perception. And I think particularly when you're talking about mostly young black men in their 20s, yep. it's not, there's not that much to do outside of Disney um, or to go watch like an Orlando Magic game. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's a city that's largely built around the tourism industry as it relates mm-hmm. to Disney. So it's, I mean, like if you were going to pick cities in florida to live in i you know i don't know that it would finish in the top three uh which that sounds harsh but i I just think it's the way people think and then the irony of what he said at the very end is he said i doubt it's because Shaq made sure to get away i would really you know we were on the the book um suggestion tip last week uh three ring circus i think was one of the ones i suggested if you read it by jeff perlman which is about you know the Shaq, kobe phil era lakers that actually is why Shaq left mm-hmm. is that aside from thinking that Orlando was a little bit too small for him, um, he left in part. The thing that really set him over the edge was there were two or three things that did. One of them was Orlando kind of lowballing him. But mm-hmm. maybe the biggest factor and the thing that he actually said he was leaving over and confided to Jeff that he, like, he was leaving over was that um, – and granted, this was the 90s. It's 2022 now. Mm-hmm. But this was the late 90s. Um, the poll, right? The Orlando Sentinel did a poll among fans. Now, it was a really 
half-assed question of like, should the Lakers pay Shaquille O'Neal $106 million to like come back or something? Like, I think that was what he'd said he wanted or maybe what another team was offering. Like the Lakers obviously wanted to get in on him. And that sounds like, I mean, that sounds like an absurd amount of money today. We're having that conversation over Jalen Brunson today. This was 1996, I think, or 1997 Mm -hmm. or whatever it was. And you weren't hearing at the time about nine figure, you know, deals for athletes, even though Shaq was probably the best athlete in the NBA at the time. Um, so it was just like kind of a flat, like no nuance question. Um, other players were starting to go for that much. Juwan Howard, uh, Alonzo Mourning was about to make that much money. But the, the answer, you know, when they ran the poll, I think it was something like 93 to 7. No, he didn't deserve that much money. But it wasn't just that. It was also that the tone around people saying no, including the people that were calling in, because this was like basically pre-internet. These were people calling in to the newspaper to give their response. And there were so many racist responses to the question of one, that they'd already offered Shaq money and he was declining it. And that's why the number was getting pushed to the low hundreds, but Mm -hmm. also kind of like how, how is he not grateful? Like it's still the South, Um, particularly in the nineties, Orlando's not, it's very different than like a Miami. It's it's not the uh-huh. same place. Uh, so no, I mean, it actually did have something to do with why Shaq wanted to get away. He felt like people didn't appreciate him and he felt like some of it mm. was rooted in some really nasty, ugly stuff. And people from the newspaper said they were hearing the N word left and right in response to that question. So, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to say that I think that that's a huge part of the culture in Orlando. Again, that was 25, 30 years ago. But I do think that, um, it's a less urban place than people think. I think the Orlando yeah. Magic and Disney World have made it more urban in people's mind than it actually is. Um, but it's not a place that a lot of people, certainly a lot of young people choose yeah. to live. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I haven't been to Orlando a ton recently. It's it's a, it's a nice city even. Like, it's probably great for families. And I'm sure even yes. if you are... Even if you're very rich but older, you could buy like a I'm sure a gigantic house in the suburbs. I think Shaq still has a house there. But yes, if you were young and you were looking for a lot of things to do, um, it is not Miami. It's not even Atlanta. I think Atlanta should be a much bigger free agent destination than it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I yeah, I, I, we're with you, Don. But I think there's in fact a lot of reasons because you could get kind of the weather of Orlando and a lot of NBA cities, but a lot more to do for, like you said, if you're, if you're young, uh, have money. I think there's other places where you'd probably rather spend your time because yeah, I think Orlando is probably a great place for families. It is very family oriented, um, because of the theme parks, shout out to islands of adventure. Do you know what grad bash is? Mm-mm. I've never even heard of that. I don't think, Oh, this is such a Florida thing, but our senior <laughs> year of high school. Okay. Our senior year of high school, we get to we went to Universal Studios and Islands Adventure. Like it's something like fifty. High, I don't know how many high schools it is in. It's dozens and dozens of high school. They do it over three or four nights, but you go to the theme parks after they close. So like we get on a bus from school at like oh, three wow. p.m. 
get that to the park so at much six. Fun. The park is closed, and then it's just you're there until like midnight, and it was. I've incredible. done that before, but I, I I've never had like a name for it. I've had oh, one wow. where one of my friends, uh, his dad, and worked there's for a, a concert. Company. Yeah, and like so D- my, DJ DJ Khaled and Bob perform, what? and Jason Derulo, and Jason Derulo. Can we do? Can we do this now? Like I'm 35, <laughs> and I would do this. I, yeah, I had it would friend, be sick. I had a friend who uh, his dad worked for a company or a corporation that like rented out Six Flags one day, and it's so much oh, fun wow. to kind of have free roam of the park yeah. like that. Yep, uh, free range, uh, free reign of the park like that. Uh, but I'd never heard of the. What did you? You said it's called Grad Bash. Yeah, yeah. It's That's Grad so Bash cool. and Grad Night. Grad Night is Disney, and I think Grad Bash is Universal Park. We went on the Dudley Do Right Log Flume ride, and I was I was pretending to be very scared on it, um, <laughs> to like like mess with my friends, like they knew I was doing a bit. And this woman who didn't go to my high school got off the ride and called me a very nasty word. Um, oh God! Because she because she thought I was really scared, and I was like, well, first of all, even if you did think I was actually scared, why would you? This is not really an appropriate response. Yeah, yeah it was a That's interesting moment. Clearly, it has stuck with me uh, nearly twelve years later. So I hear you. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Chris. That's gonna do it for today's episode. But before we go, I, I I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. I really don't. All all I will say is we got an email this morning um that we did get an addition to the open floor family um we have a there's a young pina now joining which means we're getting more outnumbered by celtics fans by the day (laughs) um i'll I'll leave mike to to you know he can share all the details uh if and when he wants all you know all i'll say is the baby the family everyone's doing fine so congrats to mike uh, even though we're, I want to be clear, we're not missing him. This has been a ton of fun uh, without him, obviously. But yeah, so shout out to Mike, I guess. Yes, shout out to Mike. I am super happy for him and, and his yeah. wife. Uh, I texted him this morning to to see yeah, how you, he's doing. You, and- you you really scooped everyone. You you sent him the text. I was nah, waiting man. for I was waiting for the announcement. You had to be the little goody two shoes. Be like, no, oh, let I me just... check in. Be but you're you're trying to move. You're already number one on the co-host nah, rankings. Nah, man, we're 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 sitting here. We're sitting here group texting about Nick's press conferences and whatnot <laughs> with Michael in it. Like the least I can do is unplug from that, which doesn't you know fundamentally change my day to day and like check in on my teammate, but. uh I'm just happy that, that everybody's doing okay and um, super excited to see pictures whenever that's the case. But uh, Damn, like you said, calling I'm out, not to calling out my group, calling out my group text too. That's cool. Yep. Well, that, yep. <laughs> that'll do it uh, for today's episode of Open Floor. Chris, always a pleasure to our emailers. Thank you so much for your emails. Please keep the emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail.com. Uh, we'll catch up with you guys soon. Please continue to enjoy the NBA offseason. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.
smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.